Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode number 74. Today we're going to talk about 116. As usual, we're joined by Phil. Hey, Phil. Good morning, Rohan. How's it going? And Vincent. How are you, Vincent? Good, thank you. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nebutasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. Configuration is via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Jumping right into it, Hacktoberfest is on. Home Assistant, again, as usual, is participating. I mean, thank you, devs, because that was... uh, I I know we just went through the month of uh, what the heck, and... That's that's pretty, you know, that, that that is a lot of effort on on everybody's part there. So it's opt-in only um, for specific projects and stuff, right? Which is new. I I know um, that only recently, I think they had a lot of spam projects last year. And I think this year, and I don't know if you've been seeing, if you guys have been seeing the tweets from Home Assistant, but uh, I think there's one person at DigitalOcean, uh, which is responsible for Hacktoberfest, and there is like you know thousands of queries coming in. Um, so I think they sort of made a decision that you know uh, from now on, if you if a project wants to participate in Hacktoberfest, then you specifically have to opt in, as opposed to previously it was any open source uh, repository on GitHub would be eligible for the Hacktoberfest, but now it is. Yeah, they've restricted it down. Yeah, I, I think I think I saw that I saw that tweet from Frank talking about that, right? Yeah. Where where it's the one person uh, that's dealing with it, which is you know. So, uh, and I think Frank also said it's going to be a uh, pretty. I think this year it's because of obviously 2020, we've got COVID pandemic, a lot of people in lockdown. So this year it was you can either choose to get a free T-shirt or uh, Digital Ocean will plant a tree on your behalf instead of, you know, sending you a T-shirt around the world and all that, which I kind of, I kind of like, you know, it's yeah, sort of a really greener nice. way to contribute. Um, but I guess, you know, now that they've made it that it's opt-in only, uh, I think uh, I agree with Frank here that, you know, he's sort of like, well, it's great that you've done that, but now you, this is going to really slow down the participation in Hacktoberfest because now people... You know, like the whole idea of, you know, people just being able to go into any open source project and just put in a pull request and, and not have to right. worry about if the maintainer was participating or not. And it's a sort of extra step. Now, if, you know, what if I contribute to Project X and they haven't enabled the Hacktoberfest integration yet? Now, will I not get my reward? It's sort of, right. yeah, I, I think it, it might it's be... A, it's a barrier, right? Exactly, uh, to, yeah. To people doing stuff, right? And And... Again, I'm not sure where the motivation is from. Like, is it is it a cost thing? Is it a um, which which doesn't sound like it is. It sounds like it's more of a effort thing, right? Uh, for Hacktoberfest, yeah. which is, I mean, I, I, I'm still happy that it's a thing. But yeah, you're you're totally right that it is. You know, it's one more barrier into doing it, right? Yeah. But um, so we'll see where it goes. I mean, this year it sounds like. A home assistant is participating, which is great. Um, so if you want to plant a tree, if you want to get your T-shirt, whatever it is, uh, have a look through home assistant, right? That as an option um, to, to contribute. Obviously, there's tons of other great open source projects as well. And, yep. you know, if, if you have the ability to, then great. Uh, see if you can contribute to those two or or whatever, right? However, however you're available or how, however you're able to do it. For pull requests that are not marked as spam, so as long as you're you know, making four eligible pull requests to any open source repository, gets yourself a free T-shirt or a tree planted somewhere. Yes, any any open source that's participating. Correct, yeah. yes. All right, 0.116 is here. And Rahan, I don't know about you, but I'm quite relieved that it's not a big release as 0.115. <laughs> I think an hour and a half last episode just talking about 0.115 was probably a bit, bit long. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So some new features, though, uh, and I'm guessing a lot of also coming out of what the heck. Uh, but the first one is that the user and person management are now, basically, they've been merged together. So previously, you would have the concept of a person, which, you know, can uh, contain device trackers to mark, is that person mm-hmm. home? Are they away? Also, other things like their phone. So is their phone battery dying and all that? And then Home Assistant started rolling out the roles of admins and users. So now you would have 
users that can log into the Home Assistant front end and perform actions against Home Assistant. Now they're being combined into the one sort of area. And I believe you can, so what you can do now, you create a user and a person, and then you can link them together. So now you can have, you know, Rohan as a user in my home and as a person, and I can see, is Rohan home? Is he logged in? Maybe you can't see him. Is he, you know, you can actually assign him a role and all that sort of stuff. So it, it, I thought it used to be like that because I remember creating a Rohan account and then a Rohan uh, person and then and then and in, then you'd have to the link pers- them exactly in in the in the person I'd have to go in and say I get, yeah there there was an option in the in the user account to say hey this is actually so now this. you wouldn't have to link them so now you would just create a user which would then create a person underneath in in Home Assistant yes. And then, and then it just kind of, it, it kind of flows through. What I'd love Correct. to see actually is, is when you log into a device is actually it's going, Hey, you're logged into the companion app or into the Mac companion app or something like that. And, mm. you know, and be like, Hey, do you want to use this device as a device tracker? Right. I think that'd be kind of cool. That, yeah. Cause that would be like a, it's sort of like a flow, right? Like, a, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's, that's in the works. Um, that, uh, I don't know, to me, that just, it seems like, Hey, okay, this would be kind of cool. And, or do you want to overwrite this device? And that actually completely eliminates, I know, I know they're working on the, uh, or the, the couple of releases ago, they changed how they update or, or how they track the user in the device, right? So yes, yeah. if I add, if I log into my iPhone, uh, you're not going to have that Rohan's iPhone 1, Rohan's iPhone 2, uh, whatever issues, especially when you're using the beta app and the primary app, whatever, for any beta testing or things that you're doing. Um, but, you know, it, it's this is still, I think this is still progress. It's This is still really nice. So I'll, I'll yeah, take it. I quite like that. I think we should, next month, what the heck comes around, you should add that as a suggestion if it's that, not already. That's right. That's right. Uh, Chromecast Media Player. So now Home Assistant can cast media to Chromecast devices. Uh, so if you remember last uh, last release, there was a me- new media browser that got added in, so on and so forth. So now with that media browser, you can actually say, hey, I have this whatever audio video thing that I, I want to cast across. You can actually directly do that. So it's not casting Home Assistant, right, which is the... Uh, I guess it's been a while now since that integration has come out where you can cast Home Assistant in. But uh, this is more around uh, the actual media that's, uh, that you're playing. Um, also, if you were streaming your Lovelace dashboard, which is what I was talking about just now uh, before that, um, once your media stream is finished, then the uh, Chromecast will just kind of go back to where it was before. So that's kind of neat. I quite like that. Like mm-hmm. I have, you know, the Echo devices everywhere around the house. Yeah. And this is one of those things that makes me really jealous of, you know, Google Assistant. I I just can't bring myself to have to tell everyone instead of saying the lovely lady's name to have to, you know, spit out yeah. a Google or OK Google to everyone to get the house to do something. But I do like that, you know, those uh, Google Assistant powered hubs that you see, like I think there's uh, obviously the Nest branded ones. And I think there's even a couple of companies like Asus or Acer or something. Lenovo. Are, yeah, Lenovo. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, they've got some. They've got some yeah, yeah, like they've got some nice looking ones, right? And to be able to just cast the home, a lovely, like Lovelace Home Assistant dashboard to those devices, that's, I wish the Amazon Echo Shows could do that because that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that would be kind of cool. Oh, well, I can only hope one day that Amazon will play nicely. <laughs> um, so uploading snapshots for Hassio is now supported. So I know a lot of people have found it a bit clunky when yeah. you know, migrating from one Hassio installation to another. So, for example, if you've got a Raspberry Pi that's died and you need to restore a snapshot, it'll be a bit clunky in order to restore a snapshot. You'd have to again go into your configuration, enable Samba, then upload the snapshot to your Raspberry Pi and then restore it. Now there is an option from the Home Assistant user interface that you can just upload your previous snapshot. So you might have it backed up to Google Drive or Dropbox somewhere, grab your latest snapshot, upload it, and it'll install it. So no need to go into YAML files and enable extensions in order to upload it to the Pi first. Yeah, which is really nice. I, I think that that backup piece has always been a touch um, I don't want to call it clunky, but just awkward in, yeah. in Has.io. Um, like it, it works if you've 
you're just backing up and restoring already, but when you need to onboard a new device, you're sort of back to square one, right? Where you have to go into a configuration and put in something like mm-hmm. enable Samba or somehow to get the, the backup file on there. Exactly, exactly. It's also easier for a remote installation, for example, at your parents' place or when something yeah. crashes, you only can, you can just ask them to install the SD card and then you can upload your remote backup you have for your parents or for your remote uh, office uh, installation. Totally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to then worry about an SSH tunnel and somehow get yeah. access to it that way. Yeah. Because yeah. that's easy. The, the SSH part is pretty easy installing, but then after that you need to enable Home Assistant and log in, etc. Yep. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, MQTT Tag Scanner. Um, so now Home Assistant can listen to tag scan events that are happening via MQTT. Um, so basically, you can start using other devices. So if you have old Android phones or whatever that uh, that are able to scan NFC tags, uh, these tag scan events can be pushed to Home Assistant through that. Um, and, and the cool thing is this can actually work through discovery as well for for the tag scanning if you use mqtt discovery so pretty yeah, neat. I, I really like it i'm glad like uh the tag scanner feature that's come in like people are just really on board with it and this is like mm-hmm. showing you know i was like oh we can even do like other devices right i know way before like when i first started with home this is one of the first things i i did right was i wanted to do my presence detection right and you know i was trying yeah. to get my my wife on board like how do we do this when we come home how do we work out you know if i'm good all this smart stuff we need to know you know who's home so i my original intention was uh i had an old android phone and i would i think i used tasker and what we would have i was just running a little web app on the chrome it was i made it so the phone was always the screen was always on and it would just have you know who was home and what you would do is you'd grab your nfc tag scan it to the phone which yeah. would then um, use Tasker to push, you know, a status update to Home Assistant of, you know, someone's just tagged in, you know, like a check-in app. Sure, right? sure. Like, yeah. Of course, that didn't work when we wanted to leave. It was very hard to get everyone, aka my wife, to mm-hmm. tag out. So that eventually got replaced with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. But yeah, it's great to see, like, you know, these little things. If you, I think, recycling old technology, especially old phones how many like phones have you got in a drawer somewhere around like oh, that could use this right yeah definitely a couple so <laughs> exactly right so if you can repurpose those and just use them for places around the house why not totally totally uh logbook now supports selecting multiple entities so i think this has to be another what the heck uh entry but i've always found it uh i like the able to the ability to filter entities in the logbook. You know, if I need to find out why the hell did that light turn on at 2 a.m. last night, I didn't do anything. But if I have like a bunch of entities, I think this is a nice little feature, you know, filter. Show me all the, the lights in one room as opposed to having to select one at a time. Um, also a Zodiac integration. Uh, if you're into astrology and you can't ever remember what Zodiac sign you are, Gemini's, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> Home Assistant, now you can tell you. Um so that's something neat in there. It's uh, something a little more playful, I think. Yeah, <laughs> something random. We, we really do need to start. Maybe next year we'll have to start a list of those random integrations that Home Assistant adds, and at the end yeah. of the year, just tally them up, right? <laughs> I, I, lo- I love these, but they're they're. You know, I'm I'm sure if it, again, if for something, you know, if you have whatever, you're a Gemini, you're this, you're that, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if you can even script anything based on that, but you could pull a website cool. that that has these uh, um, stories about uh, what what's your like every month has a special uh, event yeah. for yeah. your for your Gemini or for your for your sign. You can automatically pull them and let your TTS tell it to you. Yeah, yeah. Run, run, I guess run it through you... some kind of AI and say, "Oh my God, it's good or bad." <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't go outside today. <laughs> D- duck and cover, or yeah, yeah, one of the two. I guess you could also do, I'm, I'm guessing each Zodiac would have like a color, right? Like I think Pisces being, you know, like the ocean would be a blue or something like that, right? So I'm mm-hmm. guessing you could also do it based on lights, you know, for the month, the outside lights will be the, the color of the Zodiac or something based on Maybe. the time of year. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. All right. But of course, you know, Hermes isn't like, you know, there's a million possibilities that you could do with this stuff. Yeah. I'm sure someone's got a unique use case. There's just probably a reason somebody made that integration. So Exactly, right. <laughs> 
All right, breaking changes. Uh, Synology integration has moved to the new Synology DSM integration. So there was two integrations with Synology that were sort of doing different things. Uh, one of them was, you know, using new technology, uh, the new probably the new Synology API, uh, but it did have some features missing, like cameras. Uh, that's all been upgraded. So now they're at feature parity, which means uh, there's no point having two Synology integrations. So the uh if you're using synology you'll need to use the synology dsm integration yeah and a, and a lot of people i know are using you know synology or qnap or some kind of nas yeah. there so if you do use synology keep an eye out uh alarm decoder uh if you use that service it's moving to a ui setup so um get rid of your yaml and uh just set it up through your interface you don't need to delete the rest of your stuff just remove it from one and add it to the other you know, I think we, we talk about it a lot, like integrations moving away from YAML and, and sort of not liking it. But I, I am starting to appreciate the UI setup of, of integrations a lot more. Oh, yeah. Like I feel I feel a bit more, I don't know, like I, they feel more solid, if that makes sense. Like if I add an integration with YAML, sometimes like I know that, you know, whenever I do an upgrade like to the beta or something, like what parameter has broken. But when I do, you know, now that I've got these, integrations that are set in the ui i i completely forget about them right like i don't have to worry about sure secure like a secret key you know expiring somewhere so i don't know i'm 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 coming around to the user interface of integrations and i think device management is much easier as well yeah the the ui has been something where i was always you know i I, I guess I, I was I was always happy with uh, pieces moving into the UI, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess the only the only part where it's like, uh, okay, it's, it's a bit more work because if I already have something set up and it's moved to the UI, then I have to go yep. in and remove that config. And uh, if if it's if it's one where you know which which is what's happening with most things, right? So that to me is like, uh, okay, fine, I guess I'll do it. But outside of that, it's it's. I've never, I've never had much of an issue with it. I mean, the flow for me just, I, I guess maybe it's just to me, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then it always has, it's just the simplicity, right? The less, the less I can go in and muck around in the config, I think, you know, the, the, the better. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, I'll probably break something. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I like about the, the new integrations in the, the front end is more that you, the, the, the overview because YAML, mm-hmm. you get a lot of different. Uh, or files or different uh, paths or or, or, yeah. or scripts and, and and now you just have one physical well it looks like a button you can press it and and, and there the it, there's the integration with all its options etc yeah. yeah 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 you know exactly where it is you know exactly yeah. what it's doing right exactly well that was much easier but this time that's right <laughs> all right so vincent this is this is it this is where we get to pick your brain so yeah, I guess maybe if we can set up like where you sort of started using Home Assistant and how long you've been using Home Assistant for. Yeah, of course. So um, back in 2016, I got uh, Raspberry Pi 3 Model B. The, the, it mm-hmm. was just released uh, first quarter of the year, I think. And um, mm-hmm. I had some Philips U lights and, and it was, yeah, I used the, the standard Philips U app, but I didn't really like the way or I didn't like the possibilities it had. It, it was a bit uh, limiting. So uh, I thought about something I wanted to do with my Raspberry and, well, one plus one <laughs> made a home assistant uh, for the first time. But uh, I have zero experience in, in programming or, or that, kind of, that kind of stuff. I, I do like IT and know some things but uh, yaml etc was very hard for me to understand at the beginning so i actually left it until 0.51 that's the late the, the oldest backup i can find currently so uh, wow. yeah and, and it's not even a, an official backup it was just copy and paste of my uh, my config uh, folder uh Yep. Yeah. So um, at yeah zero five one and and that was the period that uh, SIO was uh, introduced. So um, yep. Yeah, that made it like twenty times easier to 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 work with uh, with Home Assistant because you you didn't need to know uh, the, the backend. Um, so yeah, that that's where it started. And then I ne- I wanted to access my Home Assistant from outside, and I started with the the, the add-ons, the, the Duck DNS add-ons, and all all those. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's where I started, and um, 
Uh, After that, uh, it exploded. <laughs> exploded in, uh, in, in in a lot of other things next to Home Assistant, like uh, PFSense and and Synology NASes, and uh, you want to do backups internally, and I don't like cloud services, so it's yep. so go down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah, a, a big rabbit hole. So very deep. <laughs> it's a never ending rabbit hole. Yeah, it is. never ends. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. And 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 this is kind of I think just to touch on it, you kind of said this is kind of your first entry into home automation and things like that. Or, or have you done any anything with like something anytime before that? No, no, no. This, this was Home Assistant was uh, except Philips U was my f- like that's not really sure. home automation in my point. It's just one thing. It's just lights, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just lights. You you only access your lights and you do something with that. But the the, the power of Home Assistant for me was like my first automation was uh, um, uh, dimming the lights uh, or uh, uh, starting the lights, uh, be uh, looking at the sun. So if the sun goes down, put on the lights. If the sun comes up, dim the lights or etc. And, mm-hmm. and 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 that was the, the first automation that I did. But yeah. Now YAML is more natural to me than, for example, doing automations in the in the in the Home Assistant dashboard. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things I really liked when you reached out to us was your use case around your cars and your dad. And yeah, I'll just like, can you explain like that setup? For, yeah, for so because I think it's amazing. Yeah, so um, I, what 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 first um. The, um, one of the add-ons uh, uh, what, that was added was the track car add-on. It is it's mm-hmm. a it's a like a GPS yep. tracker. You can you can add GPS trackers and and, and you can monitor the, monitor them on a, on a map. And you can see where they drive. And you can see history and roads, etc. So. Um, uh, but in the same time that was I was working with that, uh, me and my dad bought a, a hobby car, uh, a, a Mazda MX-5, uh, in the United States called the Miata. Yeah. And um, so uh, we bought that car and, um, well, we share it, but I don't live at his place and uh, he lives like a 10 minute drive from me but we both live in an apartment but he doesn't have a a place to store the car but i do because there are two parking garages here underneath the 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 apartment uh, complex Mm. so but the thing was um when we wanted to drive the car me for example with my girlfriend or or he with my mother um uh, we, we needed to contact each other to ask are you going away with the car or are you planning to take the car or maybe it even happened i walked down thinking he didn't have the car and i yeah. found an empty <laughs> parking very space disappointed. <laughs> yeah so um yeah one of the reasons i, I looked then to the tracker uh, component was to put a gps tracker in the car and 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 so we can both see where the car is and for example see what the car has done and and, and yeah just monitor the state of the car so that's that's where it started and um yeah my, my father is, is like 71 he's not not uh, that young anymore so but he he's pretty good with the ipad but home assistant giving him a whole home assistant um uh, dashboard was he, he only wanted tracker so what i did mm-hmm. i uh, uh tried to expose uh, home assistant or, or the tracker add-on to the internet and yeah that made a whole other different rabbit hole because then you need to open ports and you need to give them yep. access to, to, to DNS domains, etc. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that, um, that took a while for me to, to work uh, on. And it, it even was like, um, uh, because before it finally worked, it, it, I needed to first learn how to open ports, etc. So I got on the forums and I asked one, uh, asked some people how to uh, how to open the ports and how it works. And one of the comments, and I even think Frank uh, said well, as one of the advice, if you need to ask these questions, maybe you need to start first and learn how to open ports and what the risks are of opening yeah. those ports. So that's when I installed PFSense, and that rabbit hole went very deep. And then <laughs> after that, yep. um, yeah, I got it working, worked perfectly now, and and and. Yeah, so he he only uses the Tracker mobile app on his uh, on his iPad, and he can look where the car is. So after we had that car, he he bought a, a second car himself. So my parents have a car together, and then he bought his uh, his own uh, car, and um, he also put it down here. So now. I actually put GPS trackers in all our cars. So in my car, in, 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 in their car, in his hobby car, and in my car, in our, our together car. And so now, for example, I can know um, uh, if he's gone with his own car and my mom has gone with the other car, I have a 100% chance that the, MA, the, the Mazda is still here. So 
a bit of calculation uh, doing uh, uh, showing me information on where the car is and what's the possibility I can take the car or not. That's yeah. very cool. So you can have like a binary sensor in your home system to say, you know, a car is available for you to, to use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah, and so I, I have a car. My girlfriend doesn't. So she takes my car sometimes and then I always know, okay, I do have a backup car. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool. cool. So I guess... And I'm going to be a bit selfish here because, you know, as a host of a podcast that you know deals with homelessness, sometimes I get to pick people's brains that when I want to know something. So tell me more about this this tracker integration. I, I've seen it come out ages ago. So I'm guessing you're using one, a device that plugs into the, the OBD port of, of your car that then connects through your phone's Bluetooth to the internet? No, it's even it, it's it's like a special GPS tracker. You can buy them from AliExpress and yep. uh, you put a SIM card in it, a mobile SIM card, and then you just, it has a, a, a battery bank for like 60 days and you can wow. configure it by SMS. And um, so I put a like a prepaid card in it and it yeah. runs, it, it, it's really uh, cheap. So like it, 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 it spends like five euros a year on data. To, to yep. let me know, give me a, a 24-7 uh, 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 information about the GPS uh, location. So it uses GPRS. And uh, so that's, and, 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 and I put that behind the dashboard. So for, it's, it's because it, it serves a second function because for some reason someone steals the car, I can yeah. still track it. But even if they cut the wire, it has a 60-day battery to find it. Yeah, because my wife and I were having a discussion maybe just this weekend, actually, because I have the tile trackers and I put one in the car, right? And they're the little yeah. Bluetooth trackers, but they require people to have the tile app on their phone in order to ping their location, right? And yeah. my wife's like, why doesn't everyone have these in their cars? And it's like, well, they're not that reliable. But this seems like the next level where, you know, you've got the battery backup, you've got the, its own data connection, right? So you can yep. sort of track it. Does it... When I looked into the tracker integration, there was a lot of you need to run a certain server um, or you could pay to use someone else's server. Do you have, is there something like that that you're using or are you? No, it's all local. It's all in the add-on. You can right. literally run the add-on and you just need to look at the, the there's an XML config file inside yep. of the, uh, it, 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 it gets added to your config, uh, your home assistant config, and you yep. can uh, uh, choose the protocol that matches your GPS tracker. So for example, I use two different trackers, both of the same company, but a different generation. And so mm -hmm. I, I, I uh, uh, uncommented those two um, uh, uh, protocols and then you just need to... Um, 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 like by I, I can use my phone to SMS the settings to the GPS tracker, and after that, it keeps sending its information to that IP address, etc. So it's, it's it's all local. Wow, that's very yeah. Well, the now. GPS tracker is of course not local, but the 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 yeah. the, 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 the tracker is fully local. Yeah, that's that's really neat. Yeah, it's I like really those easy. SMS. Like, it doesn't seem to. I guess what what's the update frequency like on it though? Is it like maybe it'll send seconds. its location thirty seconds? Yes. I can live bad. if my dad tells me I'm coming up to my house. I can just open Trekker on my phone or on my PC, yeah. and I I can see him coming around the corner. And a sixty day battery life using yeah. yeah. If 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 the it's not sixty days if you um, keep driving if you drive it sends because it's it has a shock sensor in the GPS tracker, so it yep. only sends data when it's driving, and when uh, it's right. not, then it's sixty days. And after wait, I, I I've been uh, using one GPS tracker without putting it on the because it has a U. It just plugs into your USB charger, and mm -hmm. um, it, it it has been running for two and a half weeks without dropping the battery and in nearly daily driving. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, 
or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's smart. So could you have it plugged into the car permanently, like to use the car's battery? Yep. Yeah. So what I did, you have two options. Uh, The the first option is to, to... directly attach it to the battery but that, then you want to uh, of, of course uh, secure it with um i don't know the english word sacring uh, it's like a fuse the fuse so y- yes. y- you yep. need to fuse it of course and uh, and the, the problem is you you drain the battery if you uh, don't yeah. use the car yeah. so what i actually did i um i i bought a, a small uh, fuse box splitter and you can put it in the fuse box behind, for example, your cigarette lighter or your, yep. your seat warming, which only turns on when the car is turned on. And, yeah. um, so I tapped that from the, from the, from the fuse box, put an extra fuse in it and then run a cable behind the dashboard to the, uh, uh, to, yeah, made like a USB to power splitter. And then, uh, yeah, nice. it works. So it, it only gets charged when, uh, when I turn on the car, but yeah, yeah, it only drains when I drive, so it, it levels each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really, that's really nice. Well, there's something else I'll have to add to the list of things to <laughs> add on. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty cool. So, so it, it, we we made um, last summer. We 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 went to uh, France where and and we both. So his his car is a, a convertible as well. So we went there with two cars: my mom, his dad, his his car, and 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 my me and my girlfriend in, in my car or. Our car and yep. um yeah the the fun thing is we we could every day we we, we drove like 200 300 kilometers we could look into the app what we have driven and how long it took and and that's cool and, yeah it's just uh, it, i don't do anything with it but i i, I like data so yeah <laughs> i just want to look yep. at it or you need to then you can put something into like grafana or something and you can have yeah uh like a, a world map of where your car's been right like you can yeah. just tick off places yeah yeah, but you you can you can export those from uh, from Tracker as well. You can just say, okay, what did I do? What did this GPS tracker do yesterday? And then yeah, it shows a whole line through where you've been driving. <laughs> That's cool. Interesting. That's really cool. It's it, <clears throat> if you need any inspiration or, or any ideas or stuff, there's uh, there's an open source project called Tesla Mate, which basically does that for Tesla. Because again, it's built in, right? So there's mm. a lot of the stuff yeah. that gets pulled. But they've actually done that and, and visualized it in Grafana. So you can get like a map of where you're going uh, or where all you've been. Uh, and, and then obviously a little more specific things like projected range and, and things like that. Uh, but uh, you can, based on that, you can start inferring and, and building little graphs to say, hey, this is what it'll look like. Or building a map to say, hey, this is, you know, potentially what stuff is like. So it, it's Very it's cool. actually pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. It's, it's- Pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to do that with the data. So the map, I already have the map, yeah. but now I need the need to put in the data. But that that's it, right? So hopefully you can pull some of those kind of stats yeah, too and, cool. and actually map it out so and, and do your own uh, DIY version of this. Yeah, very cool. I'll, I'll be looking into that. Thanks. Yeah. Very cool. It's it, it it is it is pretty neat. So so are you are you doing any any? I know I know you said you know you kind of built a dashboard. You've kind of done a lot of those kind of things. What 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 are you what are you doing with the data in terms of Home Assistant knowing about it? So um, it's still a work in pro, pro, progress, but I'm currently working mm-hmm. on uh, like uh, you you can. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what the sensor it's called, but you can uh, look when something is coming closer by, like GPS. You can see when when the you can see it's going nearer to your home, for yeah. example. Yeah, and uh, so I'm going to you because I I, I work um, a lot from my car. I'm I'm a, I'm a salesperson, so I drive through the whole Netherlands. So I always yep. come from a different direction to homes, but and and I want to start using those that information for my, uh, for example, for my uh, for my automations within home, like uh, 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 heat or lights, mm. etc. Yeah, so, so I think yeah. Nest have that, or that was one of their selling points, or maybe it was the yeah. or something that you know, as you're getting close to home, it would then turn the the heat or the AC on, you know, to cool the house down before you get home. Yeah, so like uh, a Nest, um, yeah, it's, it's called the proximity sensor in, uh, yep. in mm-hmm. home assistance. You can do uh, arrive towards, away from, unknown, etc. So I'm, I'm I'm using those, but it's not uh, not working like i want it to uh, work yet so sure but that's the whole thing about home assistant i do like <laughs> the pro- progress so sometimes it takes a lot longer just to learn everything about how this pro- proximity works how the zone works etc yeah yeah so, yeah there's a bit of banging your head now until you get yeah. it and then when yeah, you get yeah. it you're good 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's the most it, satisfying thing. Yeah. So uh, the like the the next step for me and for my dad is we're going um, we're going to. Uh, uh, rent a space where we can work on the car and uh, we can store it there as well so um but it's that's even it's not a, near my house and not as near his his house so what i want to do is make a, a mini home assistant installation there with for example the motion eye integration to or motion eye add-on to add cameras so we can look at the car and and and, mm. and, and we can use track yeah. car again and 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 then i want to uh, um, for example use that same type of proximity automation for for if the gps tracker drives away i want to get a message on my phone or he does guess he wants to get a message on the phone unless we're near the car for example right so if someone else has started to drive the car you want to be alerted but you don't necessarily yeah. want to be alerted that you know you still in your own car yeah <laughs> or my dad <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's very cool yeah, yeah so. that is really interesting that, that that's actually a really I, I like how unique the use case is and and what you're building around that that's really cool yeah so i guess and then bringing it back to the home so around the house you do you have so you started with philips hue what have you branched out to uh so lights all lights are automated i have a mm-hmm. lot of automations through motion sensors, so like I, I use the, the Combi and Foscon yep. app uh, to uh, to yeah. use uh, Zigbee uh, motion sensors and door sensors. So when we open doors, lights turn on. Or for example, if you walk, walk through the living room at night, it just barely uses some small lights just to give some visual uh, visual uh, light. And um, uh, we use uh, Kodi, Chromecast, all those stuff to uh, to see uh, Netflix and F, and and I also uh, look at those uh, states to, for example, dim the lights depending on what we're watching. Uh, yeah, you're watching Netflix. Okay, that should be a movie. So change the scene from a normal to a movie scene, and 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 even with the Kodi uh, uh, add-on, when I pause the pause the um, the movie, it automatically. Mm ups the lights again to like 80 percent so that's that's one of the cool nice. factor automations right like yeah, yeah hit yeah, the yeah. pause button and then the, the yeah. lights come up like a movie theater you're like yeah this is sweet that, that's my show off automation <laughs> first time people come here that's the one i show them first that's funny <laughs> yeah that's so yeah and and uh, another automation is um so the when i bought this this house um this apartment the 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 for, former uh, uh owners they cut out the uh wires for the doorbell so they use this cheap ass uh, um um uh, rf uh, like radio yeah. frequency yeah, uh, like a wireless doorbell yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so I, and, and it was like a frequency I couldn't even read with a Raspberry and the, and the, the RF sensor. So what I did, I was uh, I changed it for a Zigbee doorbell, like a, or it's like the Zigbee button. And yeah. when it gets pressed, I get a, a notification on my phone and my Sonos Sonos devices uh, uh, give a, a doorbell sound, and it sends me a picture of the camera I installed next to the front door on my Apple Watch or on my on my phone. Ah, so, nice. Yeah. So did you use a special outdoor Zigbee button to do? that or anything that looks like a, a doorbell specifically or did you just find a, a decent looking no it's the the, the simple xiaomi round doorbell with the with the xiaomi logo on top of it it it's, uh-huh. it's endured rain for a couple of months and, and i didn't have to change it so it's pretty yeah. weather sealed i think <laughs> that's cool that's neat because <laughs> i'm always like i want something that looks like a doorbell right like you don't yeah. want someone thinking that they're going to flick on a light and not ring the doorbell right yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the thing is, they do do knock the door a lot because it, it's still a white button, and yeah. and, and uh, so I was thinking about like, um, uh, for example, just stamping a, a bell icon on it or or spray painting a bell icon. Oh, yeah, on that's it. a good idea. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, make a small template and, and and just do that. Even like a little bell sticker or something, like a little yeah. transparent sticker or something that might work too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and um, NFC tags near the bed to automate like uh, going to bed automation and nice. That's done. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, next to the automations, I, I do like to, like, I use a lot of add ons, not per- specifically to utilize them, but I just like to learn stuff. Like Grafana, it was really hard for me to to get good graphs. And now it's, yeah, I know how it works and I can yeah. do cool stuff with it. So uh, just yeah. to learn more and more and more. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Are you are you doing presence in any way? Like, uh, you know, I'm here, I'm not, whatever. Um, based on you know whether the mobile app 
I mean, the car, um, I guess the car is its own presence in this yeah. case, right? But it's also its own device because my girlfriend can take the car, my dad can take the car. So yes. uh, mm. it, it, I, I, I used to, uh, first I started with the uh, iPhone app, the the, uh, the companion app, and uh, but it drained my battery a, a lot. And I don't really want to know where I'm outside. I just want to know if I'm home or not. So um, I, I downloaded or I installed the, a custom component through the the hex the h a c s uh yeah, the community person. store yeah the community store it was like um a special way of uh, uh discovering ios devices because they go in a sleep state on the mm. wi-fi and and the normal pinging doesn't work yeah. so that worked for a while but then other hack hex uh information hex uh, integration started bugging my uh installation so i i, I quit hex and now I'm still searching for the best solution. I tried Bluetooth tracking with the with a Raspberry Pi and and, and a, yep. a BLE uh, searching for the BLE on my phone. But uh, the problem is, uh, I live in an apartment. I have like nine other flats around me. They all have yeah. Wi-Fi 2.4, 5 gigahertz. Bluetooth is 2.4. Zigbee is 2.4. Yeah. It, so it's noisy. Yes, very noisy. Have you? I, I don't know what. So because my wife has an iPhone, the easiest way I've been able to do it is through, I use an Asus router and that, you know, detects who is connected to the Wi-Fi network. And generally like her phone stays connected long enough that the, that she's always marked as home. Have you got a, like, is your router set up that you can do something similar? Yeah. I, I looked into the, um, the Unify access point integration. Yep. So that worked for, for, uh, uh, like I, I used it to import it, but the problem is maybe I'm doing something wrong, but it's importing everything. And I have like 30, 40 devices on it as, a as, uh, um, on the SSSD. So yeah. in that way, yeah, it, it, it's, 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 I, I, I deleted it just because I didn't have the time then to look further into it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. You, you guys, you, so you're using the Asus router? Yeah, I find it perfect. Like as soon as you connect the device, oh, it, once again, it brings everything in, um, which I don't necessarily mind. Uh, so I use the device trackers as to know if, for example, a Sonos speaker has lost connection to the Wi-Fi or if, you know, I've unplugged an Echo Show somewhere or something like that. So I can give it, you know, it's like a... I use another template sensor to then extract out if this device is marked as not home, it's not connected to the network, so therefore there's a problem with it, right? So that way if, you know, I accidentally knocked out a blind controller that connects to the Wi-Fi, Home Assistant can then send me a notification to say, hey, the blind in the living room is offline, go plug it back in. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, that's I, I can look into that because that, that's something I'm not doing currently if it's going offline most of the time it doesn't work because i, I forget yeah. to plug it in or, or yeah exactly right and <laughs> so, and then you get the customer support tickets come yeah. through why yeah, didn't yeah, this yeah, work yeah. last night right yeah yeah so th- th- it happened last week <laughs> so <laughs> we, i bought a i bought a, a robo rock s5 max uh, uh, robot fo- vacuum and yep. uh, it, it, we're big fans of it now so even my girlfriend likes it a lot uh, to to uh, because it, it does what it does very good but um in our uh, in our bedroom i have a google home mini or the google nest mini the newer one and it's uh, plugged into uh, like a, a power brick next to my bed but the thing is the cable is a bit too short so if i want to have the robot uh vacuum i need to pick up my like my 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 uh my the little desk net next to my bed and i need to unplug the google home and sometimes right. i right. put back the 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 um, the, the desk and then I forget to plug in the Google Home and I can hear my <laughs> girlfriend in the bedroom saying, okay, Google, oh, sorry. It is not working. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's not working. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then, boom, as as Phil put it, the ticket comes in. T- ticket yeah. comes in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Need to funny. stop do what I'm doing and fix that. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a critical yeah. ticket, right? Like, get, get, yeah. get that sorted. That's funny. But that's also why I like the um, like the connection to the ASUS router. It's just Home Assistant connects straight into the ASUS. So it just, uh, from Home Assistant's perspective, it's just doing one call to the ASUS, tell me what's on the network, as opposed to, you know, like ping and Bluetooth and all that, where it's sending out all this traffic over the wireless to work out which devices uh, it can see. Yeah. You know, so 
I think from a resources perspective, uh, it makes sense to sort of outsource the state of a connected status to the router as opposed to home resistant having to check each individual device if it can see it on the on a scanner somewhere. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty uh, obvious. I, I'm going to after after we're done, I'm going to check uh, check the integration. But the, the thing is, um, I want to do that and and. But uh, my U- I have a Unify access point, but I'm using a PFSense router, so uh, I only can mm. see my uh, wireless devices through the Unify uh, router. Right. And but I s- also want to check some other stuff because, yeah, uh, for example, all my Chromecasts are wired in, so I use those USB yep. to UT- uh, UTP splitters, and uh, yeah, it, it, those go offline sometimes. And I want to see if they changed from wired to. Uh, uh, to a Wi-Fi uh, connection, mm-hmm. and then I want to remotely reset the, for example, smart plug that's connected to the brick. So uh, when you re- when you re- reboot them, they automatically go back to a wired state. Nice, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome. So from from an automation's perspective, I know you mentioned you have your you have your uh, TV scenes and things like that. Any other any other cool ones you want to talk about? Um, well, yeah. So yeah, the the doorbell the like um, depending, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it sounds easy, but it's a b- bit more complex. It depends on where I am, if I'm home, if who's home, which sound it plays, and if it shows me on my phone or not. So that's just like uh, using uh, the automation editor or the the sorry the YAML configuration mm-hmm. for the autom- automations, and uh, so that's that's my most um, how do you say it most uh, complex, complex one? Yeah, yeah, complex. Yeah, yeah. So on the doorbell, so you said you live in a in an apartment. So yeah. does your apartment have access to the so does your apartment have access to the street? Or do they have so I used to live in an apartment and the doorbell would be, you know, like a, a communal doorbell that, you know, would be where the street is and you know, you would have to buzz the number of the apartment that you wanted to get to. Or do you have street access where if they want to get to your apartment they just press they can just go up to your front door and knock on the door. No, so it's it's a, like an apartment with a with a commu- with a centralized entrance, yep. and there you can press the button to uh, to get my like my phone on the wall uh, ringing. Yes, yeah. But yep, I exactly. also have for I also have like a doorbell on the front door here. Uh, that's the the Xiaomi one. So for example, right. uh, we have a service here that brings groceries. It's called mm-hmm. Picnic, and um, when when they have multiple people to deliver in this flat, they only press the first one they deliver, and after that, uh. they just go through the flat, and they don't press the the, the, the button on the downstairs. Yeah, uh, yep. uh, that makes perfect sense. And have you integrated your phone on the wall in any way? No, that's that's on my to do list. I, I really <laughs> want to do that, but it's I it's uh, I haven't done that yet, so. I, I, did, I did open it and I did look at the wiring and I think I, I know what to do. But then the thing is, if if I mess if it up, it, I don't know how to fix yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. that's That was the risk. I wanted to do the same thing and I was only renting in the apartment. I thought, if I stuff this up, it's going to be an awkward phone call to the, the real estate agent saying that this doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so that that's the thing. But I, I, actually, we're... we're, we're uh, not going to stay here for more than two years, three years. They want to go, want to move to a to a normal like a, a property house with a, with oh, a yeah. lawn, etc. So, um, actually, everything I'm currently doing is is learning. Uh, some so even some automations I don't use, but I'm I'm already planning for my next house. So uh, to just uh, to just when I'm there, I can do everything I want to do. Yeah, now make sure you yeah. write them down. Because yeah, I get I do, so I many inspirations for ideas, and then I think, oh, what was that idea I had in the shower yesterday? Down yeah, I do, I do, I do. I have yeah. a, like this Microsoft To Do app. I have it on my phone and my desktop, and nice. I, I, it's it's filled with IDs. And then I have this like shadow YAML configuration that's where I already <laughs> built yeah, them. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Rebuild the configuration for your next house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hope I can just st- start it there. And uh, well, I, I moved away from the Raspberry Pi. I'm currently just using a, a, a server with Frogfox and running a VM with with Docker mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and all the add-ons, etc. And uh, and and yeah, I, I, when I want to migrate, I want to do more with like cameras and that kind of stuff. So yeah, then yeah. and then. You can integrate all that into Home Assistant. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the problem is doing the configs and stuff are easy, but it's actually like, okay, great. Now I need to go install cameras. Now I need to go <laughs> do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's where it all falls apart, at least for me, just because that's when it's like, like again, I've been saying for, I think, like four years now, I'm like, I'm going to put cameras up this year. 
yeah it hasn't happened yeah yeah <laughs> so, so that's why i'm planning now so now i know yeah, all the yeah. pitfalls and then when i buy the house i just can go in and, and start drilling cable right. uh, cable ducts yeah that's funny that's cool. awesome so yeah, it's it's um, the 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 tracker thing. If Phil, for example, if you want to know more about them or the the trackers, I can send you the the the, the type. Um, yeah, if you can send me the even if you got like a the model number or something, I'll put a link in the show notes. So if anyone wants to get the same um, model number from AliExpress, they can do that. Yeah, awesome. Well, are you guys running like uh, on Docker, right? So what, the, yeah, the, yeah. Almost yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what do you think about the 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 latest, well, it's, it's been a while, but the change from uh, like supporting just not everything, but a top couple of types of way, uh, ways of installation. Uh, so you're referring to, I think previously there was the ability to install uh, the Home Assistant supervisor, the, the Hasso supervisor, where you could then install add-ons, etc., through the generic yeah. Linux installation. Is that, is that what you mean there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know about you, Rana, but I've I have only ever used the Hasayo add-ons when using it through a Pi. I've never I've run uh, three instances of Home Assistant all through Docker, but I've never done them through that generic Hasayo installer. So mm-hmm. to me, it wasn't a a big loss. Uh, I, I was actually, and I think I said to Rohan, like a week or two before, I was like, that's it. I'm installing a new server. I'm going to do it properly. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do that generic installer so I can finally use these Hasayo add-ons. And then I think they sent the announcement out saying that they were deprecating that installation method. Yeah. I It and- makes sense to me. I, I get it. Like there's a lot of uh, features that it does. I know they um, they have backtracked though. And I don't, th- I think it is, it's not officially supported anymore, but you can, you know, the instructions are still there. They yeah. are allowing you to do it. So for me, I've always found that, you know, running through Docker, I, I only need Home Assistant Core. I don't need the add-ons. If I'm going to run Grafana or anything like that, I'm just going to run it. Like I'm just going to download the official Grafana image or I've even got my own custom Influx Grafana image on yeah. Docker Hub. So for me, it wasn't a big issue. I don't know about you, Rohan. Did you? Yeah, I I did I did muck around with the uh, with the um, what's it called the the, the custom installation for mm. for Home Assistant Supervisor as IO. It was definitely more complex than just doing the standard install. And so so first I started with when I when I decided I want to move all of my devices off of Smart Things and onto my own Zigbee Z Wave whatever hub. Uh, based on Raspberry Pi, I I put I actually started with HasOS and and mm. that one you know when you know something went wrong and and I forget what it was and and I basically was like all right I'm I'm done with this because basically I had no idea how to do anything <laughs> with HasOS and that, that's that's entirely a me thing right just because it was it was it was a foreign yeah it was new operating system yeah. and whatever yeah. right so so th- then I from there I said okay you know what let me let me do my own supervised install. Um, and, and I had, and, and it worked okay. It took, it was, it was a bit of a pain getting set up initially and then, and then it was fine. But, uh, since I've, I've kind of gotten rid of that and just collapsed everything down into my one home assistant, uh, instance. uh, inst- instance, which is just running on a CentOS with standard Docker. So it's not supervised. It's not any of that. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just straight up Docker. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've kind of gone through the evolution of everything and kind of going full circle back to just standard docker um which which i i've always had and it's always been i'm gonna say close to 100 percent reliable mm. uh and and you know famous last words because guaranteed <laughs> tonight something's gonna happen and it's not gonna work but yeah. uh with that said it's been uh it's been that's been very stable for me yeah yeah, it's, it, it, I'm I'm running currently on a like a Ubuntu VM and then and, and it's it's supervised. It it does it's like more the old SIO installation like it, with the Docker containers etc. Yeah. But uh, the the since one of the recent versions, it's showing me like in red letters you are running an unsupported installation. Learn more. Yeah, and then, right. Yeah. So, but the thing is, when I started, I don't didn't know anything about Docker and and Linux etc. So now I do know how to maintain it, but. It is, I think that like I, I do understand it, but it, um, I'm glad they changed their opinion from like where they first said we're going to sync it all, and then and yeah. now they have the possibility to you can do it, but you need to support it yourself if you're doing an unsupported installation. And I, I guess yeah. that's the problem, right? Like a lot of those add-ons that 
you know, Frank, you know, he's the App Store, right? So yeah. a lot of those add-ons are, you know, they're tested to run against, you know, the hardware, you know, the Raspberry Pi and all that. So for me, I I don't like that there's a lot of control taken away from those Docker images. Like you know, if I want to run, you know, my own Grafana extension, I want to know where the data is going. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to upgrade its version on my terms as opposed to, you know, some locked down UI. So I, yeah. I, I get the one-click install. It, it sounds appealing until you want to step outside and do something a little bit more tricky and yeah. you realize, okay, that convenience has now cost me, you know, the ability not to be able to install custom Docker images or, or anything like that. Yeah, but that, that's that's why I think because uh, uh, we're working to 0.1, like, uh, sorry, uh, 1.0, uh, yeah. it needs to be... There must be an easy version to to yes. to onboard because if if that wasn't there when I started back when like zero point five one was there mm. and like SAO it was the easy version I didn't know anything now I can do it because yeah. I I spent ninety five percent of my free time learning uh, Linux and all that stuff yep. but uh, and Docker but um, yeah I've been I've I've got smarter thanks to Home Assistant even not even in home automation, but just to because I want to explore the world around it and I want to do it mm. myself. The same reason you're saying I, I want to, if I want to sp- spin up another container next to the host uh, on the same host, I want to do that, for example. I, I want yeah. to do, do can I, so I can do that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that the technology choice for going Docker containers and, and all that for Hasseo works great. Like I can see it from both sides. Yes, I want, I want the ability to do it on a, a custom Linux install, but I don't want, you know, I can see from a 1.0 point of perspective, if, you know, I can go in with any Linux computer, install Hasio, and they've promised me all these add-ons and it doesn't work because I'm running on some computer built in the 90s that, you know, doesn't work. Uh, yeah, like that, it, it, you can't have that as a 1.0 no. feature, right? Like for the public, yeah. it, you would get, you know, too many complaints. So, yeah, I think, I, I don't know, I'm I'm quite... I think as long as they're not forcing people to remove their installations, like if they're just showing that red message, you know, you're running an unsupported version, I think that's acceptable. Just don't take it, people away from it. It's similar to what happened when, you know, like uh, Nabucasa launched and they did the cloud stuff, right? Like the configurations with the Amazon Echo, Google Home didn't go anywhere. They would, you know, the, the Nabucasa just, you know, added on to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you you almost know what you're getting yourself into, right? It's yeah. it's uh, which which I, I kind of like it this way actually. It just it's it's a little more in your face, going, "Hey, if something happens, you know that it, again." Will are there people that will support you? Sure, but it's not going to be officially supported. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right? you can go uh-huh. because the, the the if you go on the forums, I, I bet I can ask any question that that that's bugging me, and and someone will help me because that's one of the best mm-hmm. things about home assistant yeah. everybody wants to help but but um yeah you can avoid it if you want to and and that's the easy for route yeah it it it's i i think it's going to be a don't don't expect the developers themselves to be like okay let me build this fix in for blah 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 right i think i think it's going to be more of the community is going to be like hey sure you can do it this is how you're going to do it right yeah. um i i and and that's the big delineation that i think before was misinterpreted yeah. miscommunicated what, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it right um so i think i think you know it, it's use at your own risk because i think i think the the moral of that story right is uh can you use it absolutely yeah right yeah but uh, the, the, the because a lot of home assistant users they they are like uh, how do you call yep. it nerds or, or it guys or yep. so though sure you should and and and, and i think the, the most important part of that is is the transparency from the team to 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 let them yeah. let you know what's happening. So the same thing is I'm, I'm, I provide my own way of accessing home assistant. I don't use the Nabucasa cloud, but I do pay because I like the way they, uh, 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 made the, like the, the Google integration easier. So mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's totally, it's, it, but they give me my own choice. I can never give an, a, a euro to Nabucasa and I can still do everything you can do with Nabucasa. But yeah, for example, one of my, my friends, um, he's learning Nabucasa is the, the easiest way to give him a secure way of accessing home assistant from outside of his house. So that's, yeah. it's, it's also great that they, they give you options as long as it's, as it's transparent, in my opinion. Yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 I think that's that's the key there, right? So, you know, I, I, again, it's I, I think I think they have thought through this, and I think I think you know that that team has figured out. Okay, you know, based on this, let's let's design that model this way, right? So I think well, for for me, I don't I don't see anything glaringly wrong with it. I'm sure people would disagree with me. I just uh, think the time saving, right? Like, yeah. not having to set up SSL certificates and all that. Like, yeah, just so much yeah. easier. I think I, for me, it's totally worth it, right? And 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 it's a way for me to be like, okay, here, give back to that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, team for their time, right? So, yeah. but but that but, but it, it's that's something I I choose to do, like you said, Vincent. Yeah. All right. Well, Vincent, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us. As I, I will definitely be looking into that tracker stuff. Thanks to your recommendations. Yeah. So you've definitely yeah. sparked some interest there for me. Um, we'll leave links to all that stuff in the show notes as well but yeah thank you very much yeah thank you guys for having me thank you for coming cheers 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 if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io that's h-a-s-s podcast.io The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rowan Caramandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.